Hi everyone. With the Cooler Ring audience growing so much over the past while, chances are, dear listener, that you might be new here. And with that in mind, we're going to be periodically sharing some brilliant insights manufacturing marketers need now that come from Cooler Ring episodes you probably haven't heard yet. So let's get right to it. Here's a fabulous episode on why products, not projects, are the future for marketing, featuring Monique Elliott. At the time, Monique was with ABB and is now the Senior Vice President Global Marketing, Industrial Automation at Schneider Electric. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today, as always, is Carmen Perry. And today we have a guest I'm really excited to chat with. Uh, Carmen, um, perhaps you could introduce her. You know, Jeff, I think um, uh, of all the folks we've uh, spoken with uh, in the last uh, several months in our preparation for the podcast, I don't know that I've been more excited for an interview than I than I am today. Um, I, I feel like our guest today just uh, illuminated a, something for me when I first heard her speak that um, that I've been struggling to put words to for a while. So it's always nice when that happens, and I hope that happens for some listeners today as well. Monique Elliott, welcome to the Cooler Ring. Great to be chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me this afternoon. Our pleasure, Monique. Um, uh, Monique is CMO with ABB, and I know that there's a little bit more to that, and I don't want to get it wrong. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your role and what's up in your world these days? Sure, sure. So I am the CMO for the Electrification Products Industrial Solutions business. So I know that's quite a mouthful, um, but I am the marketing leader for one of the business units within the electrification product division, which is uh, one of the four main divisions for ABB. Um, And this was a a recent move um, as the previous company that I was with, GE Industrial Solutions, uh, was recently acquired by this division of ABB. And exciting. I I don't know that there's a lot of marketers that will be listening to this podcast that have had uh, the opportunity and occasion to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange, but you were there just recently uh, on this. I I did. I was there just this past Friday. It was quite momentous. It was uh, to celebrate the closing of the deal, um, and so I was able to join a few of my other colleagues from ABB with um, the CEO to ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange on Friday the thirteenth, the closing bell. <laughs> I was chatting with somebody on Friday who uh, actually suggested that we have the meeting on Friday because he adamantly didn't believe uh, in Friday the 13th or any superstition therein and wanted to just tempt fate by having it. So uh, on on his recommendation alone, I I think it'll all be a success regardless of the day on which you rung the bell. Now, uh, I'm curious, let's just dive into this because... Uh, Monique, it struck me um, when I heard you speak a few months back uh, that you've had perhaps an uncommon level of success uh, as a marketer in getting your ideas uh, uh, accepted uh, from those uh, higher up in the organization. It seems that you've been very successful in uh, capturing organizational support for, for, for your initiatives. And, and I think there's a bit of secret sauce there. 
What do you think has uh, has propelled your success? Well, there? you know, I think it is multi-factor. Um, I, I often like to say that, you know, I'm a commercial leader, not just a marketer. And what that really means is that I've spent a good time in marketing. I've, I've also spent some time in the sales organization. And so, you know, as any good salesperson, the ability to listen, to try to understand the problem that you're solving before presenting a solution forward. And so when we embarked on the recent journey of e-commerce within a very traditional space, within a very traditional manufacturing company, um, we took the time, I took the time to listen as a salesperson. And, And sometimes I think as marketers, we forget to do that. Um, and through that listening is where we, you know, took the approach of let's stop talking about marketing in the context of projects and start talking about them as products. But before we go there, I think it is important to say that the it all came from listening and really trying to understand the, the reason we had friction in the organization. I think it's so important to, you know, sometimes I... I, I, when I'm speaking with with marketers and they're they're talking to me about trying to get in in, in sync with their sales organization, um, I, I guess I get the impression that maybe when they say listening, what they really mean is is that they're pretending to pay attention in order to get mm-hmm. their buy-in. Um, but you actually sound pretty genuine about it, Monique. Um, so did your did your um, did you carry some assumptions into those uh, conversations that that turned out to be false? Uh, did it did uh, those listening conversations with the the sales folks really change your mind? So I I think what it was is I went in with the assumption, especially because this was such a new space for us around e-commerce or digital commerce, that there wasn't going to be a very good understanding of what we were trying to do from a strategic perspective, and that there was certainly going to be a lot of resistance um, within the sales organization. Because when you talk about e-commerce or taking your products online, one of the initial reactions is, well, you're just going to get rid of my job. So if a customer can now buy without me there as that relationship manager, um, you know, that's not going to help me. That's not good for me. So I, I did go in with the assumption of that I would have to tackle that hurdle. Um, what I learned, though, was that there are a lot of folks that were actually interested in this as an enabler and were interested in the technology of how it was going to help. Um, but that was one of the assumptions that I made, and maybe that was partly from having some experience in sales. Very cool, and I, yeah, it's it's funny. I've noticed too um, that we often assume that uh, um, I've seen marketers assume that that social selling, uh, leveraging social media intimately in the sales process, will almost be in some ways a new concept that marketing is introducing to sales, when in fact. You know, a good number of some of the better sales folks have uh, already been prospecting via LinkedIn, et cetera, for some time, and and uh, have a lot a lot more experience in that than uh, the marketers sometimes give them initial credit for. Right. True. So you mentioned briefly the product, not project, but I want to do more than just briefly mention it. Talk to me about that. Sure. So, and, and look, I will be the first one to admit this is not a concept that you know I created, that my team created. We actually took a page out of the IT organization. And in the world of agile IT development, um, this whole shift from we're not delivering 
um, a project. We're, we're, we're working on a product development. And the way that it, it all sort of went down is we had we had buy-in from a leadership perspective with budget and resources. They said, yes, we get it. This is the future. But every time we would go kind of that one level down in the organization, so not the senior leadership team, we were still hitting um, some friction points and and people not wanting to, to help us out. And that's what we were really looking for, was we were looking for assistance to drive this forward. And I started paying attention, this goes back to the listening, um, around so what teams or what functions were getting the traction <laughs> and were getting kind of like progressing. And it was the the teams that were talking about our products, like the actual tangible products that we sell, the products that I was trying to sell online. And there was a few reasons as to why I think those conversations were working so well. It was because when you talk about a product, there's a life cycle to it. There isn't a stop and a finish. Um, There's dedicated teams. There's this desire of an evolution. And when marketing was coming into the room talking about their project, that word immediately evoked a deadline and a budget and a start and a stop. And temporary resources, because when the project was over, you could move on. And so by watching how our IT organization was structuring the conversation, and more importantly, watching how our product management teams were structuring the conversations, we thought maybe we just need to reframe this and change the vocabulary around it. I'm not working on a marketing project. I'm working on a product. My product just happens to be the development of an e-commerce solution. Um, and so we we learned from our friends who were doing this successfully in other functions and tried to apply it to our function. Um, and lo and behold, after a little bit of time, we started to get the traction that we needed. In listening to you reiterate that, it seems to me, uh, in some way, it changes uh, from like almost a project, like something to get through. What I jotted down as you were saying, I guess, and I don't know if this makes any sense or not, but it's like it's like something to get through versus something to work on. It sounds as though that was part of the mind shift that happened there. Well, you know, you, no, you're exactly right. It, it does make sense. And and I always like to share this story. Like when you, I'd be walking in the hallways and people would say, hey, when are you going to be done with that e-commerce project? And that just stops you in your tracks because you're like, when are you going to be done with e-commerce? Like when, <laughs> that's like saying, you know, when, when, when are you going to be done with marketing as a function? Like it, there is no start and stop to what we're trying to do from a digital enablement perspective. There's there's an evolution to it. There might be ebbs and flows as you learn and as you pivot and as you adjust. Um, and so, yeah, when someone asks you that question, you know, when are you going to be done with that project? There, There is a, it, that does assume that you just got to get through something and then you'll be done with it. Um, so you're absolutely right. I think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, products certainly get iterated, whereas projects don't. <laughs> projects are, well, the budget's gone now and we're done and the thing is launched. So uh, I guess we don't need to do anything else with it. You can only but... do it again if it failed the first time. Right. Yeah. Whereas products, you assume That's they're right. That's right. Yeah. And that was the whole, there's this life cycle to products and there's ongoing investment. There's dedicated teams. You know, certainly you may have a sunsetting to your point of a product or, or an onboarding of a new product. But, but when people talk about projects, there's this whole notion of approved, not approved. Like really ever do you sit in a product meeting and talk about it being approved or not approved? You talk about the, the, you know, the maturity of it. Making it better, evolving yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
evolving it. Right, right, right. So it's it was interesting. And even now, as we're talking about this and I'm reflecting back, what struck me was the importance of language when we're having these meetings. So you might think using that term is really benign and there's no downside to it. Like, oh, that's just a word. But it really does evoke a particular mindset that drives decisions. It makes total sense to me that language uh, changes mindset, which changes behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as marketers, we better buy into that. <laughs> that's true. We're in the wrong that's true. business otherwise. <laughs> Nothing we do actually change. Oh, crap. Oh. No, no, that's not true at all. <laughs> oh, man. They had me like rethinking my life's yeah. work and the it's whole all deal. existential. Yeah. Right, right. Crisis mode <laughs> at this point. I, I think one of the things that's interesting about that, money is that you know, in terms of taking on something like a product, like an e-commerce application for, for the organization, you know, how, how much resistance did you find from people internally around the fact that they would think that e-commerce is largely a B2C thing as Mm -hmm. opposed to a B2B thing? Like, Talk to us a bit about that. So the interesting thing is within the business that I was with when we launched this, um, we had been doing the concept of e-commerce for quite some time, for about 15 years. By definition, it was allowing our distributor partners to purchase from us via an online platform. So the business as as a whole had embraced that many years in the past. But what had happened was the way that we were going about that, the technology that we were using started to age and that muscle really atrophied. And so what I was trying to do along with my partners on the IT side was to reinvent that platform and really give it more of a B2C mindset of how to do the transaction. So the concept of doing the e-commerce had already been bought into, but it was this new way of looking at it with a better user interface and providing more visibility to our customers. So before it was, sure, we'll let you buy online, but couldn't really track it. And you know all those functions that we know in our personal life and our consumer life wasn't there because the technology had just aged. So it was this concept now of, it was almost like this resurgence Um, And so as opposed, it was interesting, the friction that I faced was less around, we need to do e-commerce because everyone else is doing it. It was, we need to change the way we were doing it because we've been bypassed. Our competitors have now gotten better. And the friction that, well, no, we've been doing it just fine. We don't need to change. So there's a little bit of a nuance there, right? Like the, the nuance is I wasn't necessarily up against I need to convince you of e-commerce. I had to convince folks that we need to do it a different way because the way we were doing it isn't acceptable anymore. And I don't know, in some ways that's almost harder. (laughs) But it speaks to the wisdom of that uh, product versus project mindset, however, because of course, if a project, the e-commerce project is done, well, then no wonder we don't want to revisit it again. And we've already cracked that nut. Whereas uh, convincing them that there's a e-commerce product that needs to be sunsetted so that a new e-commerce product can be iterated and evolved upon that takes a different right. approach. No, that's true. And, you know, yeah. some of the friction we had, I mean, we were flowing, oh my goodness, you know, millions of dollars through this system. And so people would say, well, why do we have to invest so much? Nothing's broken. Like it's working. Like the orders are coming through. And, and what we were trying to impress upon kind of the teams was, yeah, but when it breaks, it's not just going to a little bit break. <laughs> it's going to really break. And so you have to you have to get ahead of that. 
Um, and, and that's just, you know, a function of not having that ongoing investment, especially in this space, anything around digital marketing, uh, marketing transformation, you let a little bit of time go from an investment standpoint and trying to get back to where you should be, it's incrementally harder than if you just systematically kind of went along, right? And invested along the way. Oh, so true. And and especially given the digital world that everybody's living in these days, especially as more and more younger people enter our organizations and the experiences they have with constantly evolving platforms, whether you're talking about e-commerce or social media or anything else like that, you know, this is what people right. are used to. They're used to having the world continue to change on them on a near daily basis. And if something stays the same for a long time, it's no, it's, it's pretty obvious that that product right. isn't getting better. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, maybe we're more easily bored. Yeah. You could argue. <laughs> yeah. You could argue maybe it's not a good thing. Um, but it is, it is more obvious now when interfaces don't change, when um, product features don't evolve. And what I will also say is that it's the rapid response rate as well. So, you know, it's no longer acceptable if someone says, you know, hey, this is a feature that I'd like and months go by before you see it, we, we have trained ourselves a bit of that immediate gratification to that constant improvement. Um, it's like, you know, it's for those of us who have been doing marketing for a long time, it would be, I would liken it to when you would survey people and then they would never know what happened to the survey results, right? It's, it's I asked you for something, I'd, I'd like to see that um, evolved. I'd like to see that functionality exist now. You're listening to The Coolering, conversations on manufacturing marketing. Don't forget to subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the coolering. That's K-U-L-A-Partners.com slash the coolering. I'm curious, um, and we've talked a lot about in the e-commerce space and um, making use of this product versus project uh, framework for that. And you just mentioned that can kind of expand to digital marketing uh, in a more broader sense. Um uh, how, what has your, been your success in taking that in other areas of the marketing function? Have you uh, have you uh, seen a, mm-hmm. a, a, a fair, a similar degree of success in other areas outside of e-commerce by taking this product? Yes, uh, we, we have. I would say another area um, that's akin to this is around our demand generation or the revenue marketing part of my team. And so if you think about Uh, marketing activities. So everyone runs a campaign and that campaign can be an email campaign. It could be a trade show. It could be a thought leadership piece that you put into the market. It could be social. um, But the ability to launch that, track the different touch points all the way through to whether an order is placed to where that order is then subsequently, you know, shipped and booked and to be able to say, so we spent X amount on that one campaign and then through the funnel, right through the the lower funnel, we then saw that into an, an order and look as a marketer, I mean, being able to have that marketing ROI, like talk about a, a big nut to crack because that's, that's when you can say, here's the actual return that I've given back to the organization based on all of these marketing activities. And um, I have a a fabulous marketer on my team who leads this part of the 
the marketing function for me. And we've been able to take the same approach of this is a product that we're developing and have created um, a process where we can now do that. So we can track all the way from the inception of a particular campaign, watch it go through the upper funnel down into our CRM system, and then be able to say, you know, it was through that lead or that activity that this order was booked. Um, but and and we took the same approach. We said we're not working on a project here. We're working on developing a product of revenue marketing. Um, and it took it. This was not easy. This was a couple years to actually get the systems to connect together and to get the sales organization to understand. Look, we're not taking credit for this. We're actually showing you what your marketing activities can yield. But we took a very similar approach to it. So, long way of saying it could apply anywhere you'd like because it's just around how you talk about what you're doing. So I'm curious if the way you talk about what you're doing has, since it's changed, has it changed the mm-hmm. type of people that you're able to recruit into this? Um, have you have you noticed a difference uh, with your team, uh, either in the types of folks that are attracted to this uh, approach or, or in the types of folks that you need to fuel That's, this It's type such a good question because I, I really do – you know, think that we're in such a unique position on the hunt for talent, right? Everyone's looking for different talent, new talent. Um, And here's what I will say. I have certain, this approach has certainly opened my eyes to the value of having different types of backgrounds on my marketing teams. So I no longer just look for the traditional marketer that either got their MBA or was a marketing major in college and then maybe did some time kind of in the agency world or maybe did some time in a traditional marketing function. My mind has been opened up to look at people who came out of the IT organization who are used to this type of approach, this agile approach, um, or to look at folks with really strong project management skills. Because at the end of the day, that's, you know, kind of these these product managers. They are used to, to this evolution. Um, I, I'm also looking at folks in a customer service mindset so that I know that I'm dealing with somebody. There's someone on the team who is always thinking about the customer first, always, right? Like that's, and, and those are fabulous folks to have on the team. So, oh, and the last thing I would say is um, everything that we've talked about also has such a heavy analytical bend to it, that having someone on the team who is highly analytical, maybe has a finance background, which you would argue is almost the opposite of marketing, but we found to be very valuable um, in this. So it certainly has opened my mind that there are other types of business skills that when applied kind of correctly and with the right guidance can really round out your marketing organization and can really help you think about things differently. Monique, this interview has been exceptional, (laughs) if only for me and validating my crooked path uh, professionally. I've spent a lifetime practically as a marketer, uh, but my education uh, was a concentration Ah. in finance. And and, and now maybe it's it's finally a skill set whose time has come. (laughs) You can marry the two. You can bridge those. He was also a, uh, an attempted politician as well. Um, yeah, that I can't that I can't help you with. I'm not sure I would hire that on my team. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it's interesting because it's not only uh, does the team get to benefit from uh, a diverse skill set, 
Um, but frankly, I'm kind of picturing um, a collection of people that never thought they would be in marketing at all. That is, uh, it's funny that you say that. I have the the gentleman who runs um, my e-commerce uh, function right now says that to me all the time. Like his background was not marketing, and now he finds himself in a marketing function, and according to him, having the time of his life. So it does it does help um, kind of give people different paths, right? And kind of different, different career choices. So it, it's, it's been fun building these really diverse teams. And it could be a highly subversive way for marketing to finally take over the world. That's true. <laughs> well, I will tell you this, by the changing the vernacular, changing the approach, um, at the end of the day, what was really, how I knew that we were making inroads was that there was a seat at the table for marketing. And, you know, that my function reports into the business leader um, and that I sit at the table, um, there's that sense of credibility that was finally there that you don't always see with marketing. You know, I, uh, I, I think that's huge. I, I speak to so many marketers and um, the, uh, that, it, frankly, they, they, they don't have the benefit uh, for working for an organization that has been that progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're still in the front end of that struggle. Uh, trying to figure out how they can raise the visibility of marketing within an organization that seems to, um, seems to, you know, manufacturers seem to love mm-hmm. data, love automation, love digital when it comes to their production and when it comes to many other areas of their business. But marketing is kind of lagged behind. And, uh, even um, MarTech, mm-hmm. I mean, even investing in CRM systems and mm. other things like that are are left as an afterthought, you know, and not really kind of, they're not really taking up the charge. Yeah. But that's what I see. So, and you know, and, and I get this question a lot, um, you know, is that frustrating, you know, kind of to be the, the lagger as it relates to marketing in the industry? And quite honestly, it's the reason that I love it because it is challenging and there's so much runway to go with it. Um, so it's, it, I find that personally very rewarding having that challenge. I look, I, I think that's not only a a healthy way to look at it, but I think it's incredibly accurate from, uh, I I think, uh, you know, marketers would do well to acknowledge the room they have to roam in those kinds of situations and, uh, and take advantage of it rather than seeing it as a, as a millstone. Um, Monique, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. We really enjoyed having you on the on the show today. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, I think you've given lots of folks uh, lots to think about in the realm of product uh, versus project and uh, changing that marketing conversation. I thank you for that. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I'm I'm always happy to share my learnings and and make us all better marketers. Excellent. Until Wonderful. next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.